Oh, what is chilly today? It is a chilly day. You hear that? It's like a clicking in the background. It's the heater. Telling me it's chilly. What's up kids? How are you doing today? I hope you're well. I really do. I hope you're doing well. I hope you're having a good time. I hope that, you know, society and the world at large is treating you with the respect that you deserve. I could just end the podcast there. We could hold it. We could hold the course and just say, that's all we, that's all we hope. That's all we hope for the day. But we're not going to. We're going to move, move forward because I have a few stories to tell. I do. I have a few stories to tell. So I'm going to dive right into it. I think, as an artist, which sounds like the most pretentious thing I could say, that you have a skill, a way of reading things, of looking at things, which is almost inherent. I don't think it's talent. Right? I don't. I don't want to describe it as talent because I think everybody has this skill. I just think. Ooh, I just think that artists have a way of communicating it. Which is that's that's the skill, right? Having a way to take something from concept and push it through and make it into a physical, you know, object, as it were. Now, I've met people who can't do this. Now, and it fascinates me. People who can come up with an idea, but not execute an idea, really do. They just fascinate me. They're, they're the accountants of the world. But they do things which I can't do. And I imagine that must be fascinating to them. Or I just seem like an idiot. I imagine I just seem like an idiot. I do that. I mean, I mean, I imagine that when I meet most people. I just assume that I'm not the smartest person in any situation which I enter into. Because why would I be? I could be meeting Pulitzer Prizes winners for all I know. Anyway. But I think taking something from concept all the way through to, you know, product is is the artistic skill. And that's why, you know, when you take a child and you, I was going to say shake them about, don't shake children. Maybe shake children. No, don't shake children. Okay, so when you take a child and, you know, all they are is just a ball of concept and a ball of, you know, creative and a ball of idea, you have to kind of give them the right keys so they can get through the doors, which they need to go through. See, I'm already doing it. I'm breaking it down into metaphor. I can't. I, just, I physically can't avoid this. I tried doing it. I was. I, I, I said to myself, "I, you know, it would be great if I did a podcast which was, you know, more to the point. You know, had a single topic, had a single, you know, axe to grind, um, you know, cake to shimmy, you know, tire to change." I thought to myself, "That would be fantastic. We, it would mean that titles on the podcasts would be clear." and to the point, and maybe even result in more traction. But I can't do it. Can't bring myself to do it. Won't do it. Refuse to do it. Actually, just, you know, fully against the whole idea. I want everything which we do to be more abstract and chaotic. I don't want you to know what's coming. Um, I don't know what's coming, because none of this is scripted. <laughs> I'm going to get back to the point any second now. So, this skill, which, you know, you're given, and you have, uh, I'm going to toot my own horn a little bit. So I've been nurturing this skill for a very long time. And I, I recently told a friend this story that it was much later than maybe I should have 
had that I discovered that I could do this, right? That I could look at things around the world and notice more than what was there, reading between the lines, reading the symbolism in everything. And I first discovered this when I was on a art trip to the Tate Modern, which is in London in the UK. And we, as a class, went down to the Tate Modern. The whole idea being that we would see these things, you know, take notes. We were doing our GCSEs at the time, or I think it was way before actually the GCSEs. It might have been a couple of years before. So the, the big exams weren't coming. But the whole idea was to just, just to inspire us. And by the way, I love the Tate Modern. And, you know, many of you don't, but I enjoy the Tate Modern quite a lot. Anyway. So we were, we were there and we were looking at these paintings and I recently saw the paintings of the water lilies in the MoMA in New York and it brought back this memory. And this memory was that we saw them in the Tate Modern. They had, I think it was just one of the paintings, but they were taking us around as a class with a guide and asking us what we thought of pieces and, you know, trying to get us to try to get us to engage with the work. You know, get the kids involved in what you're doing. You know, get, the, get them on the same page. They really feel passionate about that. But we start looking at this painting. A lot of people were like, all right, it's cool. It's water, water lilies. You know, and the, the um, docent or the tourist guide or whatever you want to call them, um, they were asking deeper questions about it. You know, why did they paint them this way? Why was it, you know, what was the intention? What, well, surely this is just a bad painting because it's blurry as fuck. And it is. It's blurry as fuck. If you ever see the water lilies, it's like someone's just smeared Vaseline over the lens or the canvas. And they were, we were looking at it, and I seemed to be the only person who had an answer for it, is what I vividly remember. Is My first answer was, it's almost like he's half-closing his eyes. To which I got a, oh, that's very good, because he was actually, from what we know, we assumed that he was going blind. And he was trying to, you know, paint what he saw, but what he saw was ever-changing. So what you're actually seeing is the water lilies through the eyes of someone who's becoming semi-blind. Now... That was the start, and I thought, okay, that's interesting. I seem to have noticed this, but anyone can do that. You know, you look at something, you go, what's the technical issue? What's what's the technical issue with this? You know, I took this picture. Why is it slightly off color? Why is it out of focus? Why, why does this guy's face come in, keep coming out of focus? Is it because he keeps turning on autofocus? And that's what that weird sound on the podcast is. But you'd never know if you don't watch the video version. You just listen to the audio version. Anyway, moving on. But there was a second part of the question, because of course there is. You're dealing with children. You don't ask them everything all up front. You just get nonsense. You ask them the second part of the question, which is, so why is this the way it is, right? If you knew you were going blind and you knew you weren't painting what was there, why would you paint it like this? And I followed up with, well, obviously he's going blind, but it gives you the sensation of more of a dreamscape. It gives you the sensation of going to sleep. It gives you the sensation that you're drifting off into something which is more than the world which is around you. So instead of being a scary thing, that he's losing his eyesight, that it's more of a comforting thing because he's becoming peaceful and finding you know balance with that fact. I didn't word it as well as that. That's you know words from a 33-year-old, not from like a 13, 14-year-old. Either way, I got props. Got props from the teacher. Got props from the t- the the uh, tourist guy. Got mad scowls from the rest of the class because fuck that nerd. <laughs> but what it told me, what it said to me was, I know how to read images. I'm not the best at English, but I can take any image, any visual icon, and I can look at it and I can deconstruct it and I can tell you why it is the way it is. Problem is, and this is the point of the the, the episode, nine minutes in. 
The problem with that is, is once you unlock how to do that, you can't turn it off. Ask any media production student. Ask anyone who studied film if they have enjoyed films since doing that. The answer will be yes, they have enjoyed films. They've enjoyed them on a new level. They've enjoyed them on a deeper level. They understand the meaning of things. However, it has also ruined films. It has also made films unwatchable. Because now, you notice everything. You notice all the camera mistakes. You notice the audio mistakes. You recognise when things are shot wrong. You recognise when lighting's wrong. You look out for extras in mirror reflections. You look out for the camera every time you see a goddamn mirror. It ruins things because you're taught how to do it and then you can't turn it off. And I think it's the same in any industry. I think it's the same in carpentry. I think it's the same in, you know, electricians, in... I was going to say writers, yeah, definitely writers. Anything where you know the keys and anything you know where the buttons are pressed, anything like that, it just kind of ruins some stuff because you can't turn it off. Now, there's another level to this, is that because I can't turn it off, by the way, this isn't like I can't turn it off in a intrusive way. I'm not, I don't think I'm one of those people who can't shut their brain off. I can't shut my brain off, but it's not intrusive. Right? I know some people really struggle with that. Some people can't sleep because of it. Some people, it dominates their lives and their thoughts, and it can be very, very overwhelming. I'm not like that. You know, I'm, just, I, I'm able to shut things off. I can just turn things off like a light switch. You'd be impressed and slash concerned at how easily I can turn off things in my brain. So it doesn't interfere with that. But what I can't stop doing is noticing patterns, noticing concepts, noticing theory, noticing everything around me, and it's why concept is so important to me, because every single thing I look at has a level of concept, regardless of how mundane it is, regardless of how much, you know, the world out there is going on and just trying to exist as the world, I'm looking at every single thing, and not only am I seeing it, I'm seeing the 20 different things that it's suggesting to me, and it becomes incredibly easy to forget that. So tell you a little bit, another bit of a story. So, in fact, two stories. So the first story is it can affect my life. It can affect things in the day-to-day. It does. I, you know, the best example that I can give for this is, um, so I had a relationship ended in 2017, as many who watch the podcast already know. Um, we knew things were going south earlier, and we were having a lot of discussions as any good relationship does. A lot of communication, a lot of chatting, a lot of, you know, one-on-ones about what we thought, what we felt, all those kinds of things. And we were getting to the very basic, basic very end where we could see the finish line, where we could see it and we were saying, okay, this is, this is probably going to come to an end. Now, we weren't very far from the end of the year, so this is 2016, and we were having this discussion and it became, became abundantly clear in this discussion that it was ending. It was over. And the question we had was, right, well, we live together. When do we take it from? When do we take it's over to mean it's over? Because it's extremely hard when you're living with someone to separate your life unless they move out directly. And I'm not the kind of person that's just going to kick somebody out. So we had this discussion and we had two choices. Or I suggested we had two choices because... I was the first getting done. It was more in my court to make this decision. I was very accepting of the fact that it was ending, and uh, despite it not being what I wanted, it was something which I was like, right, well, we can we can logic this. We can we can fight our way out of this. We can click that off. Um, 
And I said to myself and, and my partner at the time and said, okay, well, we have two dates. In a week, it's New Year's Eve. In three weeks, it's our anniversary. Pick one. And that's concept. I wanted one or the other. If we'd have kept going and we'd gone all the way through to our anniversary, it would have been a smooth five years on the dot. If we did it on New Year's Eve, it was just short, but it was New Year's Eve. And it would mean, you know, you start the new year on fresh. I've never been a person for New Year's Eve, even before. New Year never really meant anything to me. And it didn't change how I felt about New Year. But the symmetry of it was all was just... It was too good to ignore. And that's dealing with someone who can't turn it off, right? It's dealing with someone who can't turn it off. It's like when I get tattooed. I get tattooed on the right-hand side of my body. I won't tell you why, but I get tattooed on the right-hand side of my body. That's a whole thing. This is... You, you're going to meet people, especially people <laughs> who are in the arts industry, who are exactly like this, who just can't turn off. Third story. So, there's a number which follows me around. And that sounds insane, I know. But to some people, it doesn't sound insane, because I've researched this. And some people call them angel numbers, and some people call them spirit numbers, and some people call them fate numbers. But there is a number which follows me around, and that number is 213. It is the number which I can't avoid. And I'm not a superstitious person. I'm not a mystical person. I'm definitely not someone who believes in fate. But I'm followed by this number. I really am. So I discovered the number in uh, senior school, because my form group was 213. And then since that time, a lot of the interactions I had in my life have involved the number 213. I have stayed in multiple (laughs) hotel rooms, which were room 213. When I moved out, the first hotel room I stayed in was room 213. When I went to Belgium uh, on my first solo trip on my own, it was room 213. I just can't avoid it. It's just there. It's always omnipresent. And now I'm... The question really there is, because I'm, you know, a maximum logic person at the same time, is, is it following? Is it just a massive coincidence? Or is it because I can't turn this off that I'm constantly trying to make connections, constantly trying to look at the world and say, hey, this joins up to that. There's the dots, 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 and dots. It's Kaiser Soze. It's Pepe, what's his name? Pepe Sylvier. It's, it's just watching the world unravel and trying to re-ravel it back together and make all those connections I don't want to turn it off by the way I just just want to want to round out this podcast as we come up towards the end I'm not interested in turning off I like it it's what I make art about it's why I make art because it's like having a secret playbook where the whole world looks at one thing and they see one thing and then you look at it and you see like 50 things and suddenly you feel like you know where all the puppet strings are and that feels great obviously I know it's negative obviously it can interfere with personal relationships obviously it can feel threatening when you know you see the number 213 emblazoned up somewhere and you think do I have to follow that? 
Is that where I have to go? Is that why I'm doing this? What are, What is going on? Even this year, look at the numbers. Look at that. Follow the numbers, guys. Two on three. Can't avoid the fucking... <laughs> I think there's value in it. I think it's valuable to learn it. I think it's valuable to look at everything around you and not just take it at face value. As I say, I'm a very easily disconnected person. That's a skill slash curse of my own. But at the same time, I am constantly seeing through the layers. And you forget, not everyone does that. I don't think the world would be the way it is if everyone could. We spend much too much time just staring out the windows like I do. It'd be interesting, though. You'd see a lot of that one. <laughs> but maybe it's just me. Maybe that's just how I'm wired. I don't know. Maybe that's why we're discussing it today. But I think you can learn it. I think it's valuable. I don't think you won't love it. It's not Maybelline. Maybe it is Maybelline. I never really understood the point of the advert. But that is my ramble for the day. I can't avoid it. It's everywhere. And we can learn to do more with it. If you can start to see the concept in things, you can start to see the value in a lot of things. yet to see the concept in the podcast but maybe you guys will I'll talk to you guys later bye